Good morning, Origins. Uh, we are back for week two of our scattered kind of series on Let Us Pray. Um, it's, been, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, there's been so much that has transpired just in the news and in so many ways. And so for us, I think this week, uh, my thought patterns have basically been, I, I can't change uh, where we are and how things are, but what we can do is keep functioning as who we are. And so that's the goal. Thank you for everyone that tuned in last week. Uh, who joined us on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Uh, it was good to see those names pop up to say that uh, so-and-so was viewing, and um, hopefully you felt welcome. In the meantime, before we get to gathered again, gather again as a whole on Sundays, uh, I think it's going to be a good substitute, and, and hopefully God's going to teach us a lot through it. Um, today we are still in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're in the last couple of verses. Uh, we're excited about just this part of the prayer. It it may not be as touchy-feely. Uh, there may be some conviction here and things like that, but we're going to roll with it. And so we're glad that you joined us. I'm going to pray, and, and I would ask that you pray with me too. Um, and I'll give you a couple minutes where I'll just kind of talk about what's going on right after that. If you want to go, go and run grab your Bible, that would be great, because again, the words and text is not going to be on the screen, so it's up to you to grab your Bible. Um, so let me pray, and we'll get started. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for time today. We thank you for the ability to gather through technology just to hear of your word. I pray that uh, many of our people are doing this, and throughout the week many more would get to hear it. I pray that you would speak through it, that you would convict us, that you would uh, pull us to a place in which we are closer to you now than we have been before. Uh, thank you for making us family. Thank you for the city. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus that you are protecting us, that you are guiding us, you are giving us wisdom that we need uh, in this uh, crazy, unknown time. Um, God, thank you for being before us. Thank you for being better than us. And thank you for being uh, for us. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So in the past couple of weeks, uh, a lot of things have changed, like I said. Um, but we're just going to continue. So many of our groups got to tune in uh, with Zoom this week or another mobile viewing platform. Um, and so it's good to hear from all of those groups of the people that joined in and were able just to kind of have community group from the comforts of their own living room. Uh, we're going to continue to refine that process and make it as good as we possibly can until we can get together again. So if you haven't been a part of one of those, uh, be sure to reach out to your community group leader and ask them what the plan is. Uh, also, Ashley is working on getting things out to parents so that they can work diligently with their children um, just in ways that we can disciple them while we're not gathered on Sundays as well, because we want them to be able to worship while we're apart as well. If you have any questions or you have any needs during this time, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at originsgreenville at gmail.com. Um, if there is something that you desperately need and you can't get, or you're afraid to go out and get, um, if you have lost work and you don't know uh, how this is going to shake out, um, feel free to reach out. We would love to talk to you. And uh, we'd love to be able to help you in any way that we can. So today, uh, we are back in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and what I want us to do today, which we didn't get to do together last week, and I know it may feel a little bit awkward, but I want us to do it anyway, is uh, I want us to read this together. Um, so we're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I know that you may be looking at a different translation than I have, but we're going to run with it the best that we can. So go ahead and open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And we're going to read through verse 13 of the Lord's Prayer together. All right? Here we go. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, as a reminder, Jesus is using this prayer as a means to teach his disciples, um, those 12, but also maybe the hundreds that were also around during the Sermon on the Mount, maybe a thousand. And, and he's just saying, when you pray, pray like this. And again, just to kind of reiterate what we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, we're not necessarily talking about the words to pray, but the attitude from which we pray them. Uh, super brief recap. He started with do nots. And he said, do not perform your prayers for people. We're performing this for God. Uh, we're talking directly to him. Make it personal. And he also said, don't heap up empty words. You know, make sure you mean what you're saying because he knows what you're asking for before you ask of it. So be intentional with our words. And then he begins with just telling us, our Father is in heaven. Uh, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This gives us kind of the place from which we pray. We pray as a child to a father. Our father is also the king, so there's reverence attached. And also we pray with just this idea of humble submission, that all of this is yours, God. We're trusting you with it. We believe in it. Um, and so thank you that we get to live in it. And then last week, uh, we talked about this idea of give us this day our daily bread. And we just, we looked at this thing of we just need to ask God for what we need. Like, what are our immediate needs? Um, we talked about what that bread looked like, whether it was literal, literal or figurative. Um, but we even talked about we're just asking God for what we need today, and we're trusting God with our tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But we're also asking in such a way that it shows that we believe that God is going to grant us what we ask as long as it's part of his will. And so today he kind of changes gears and he adds something else uh, to this Lord's Prayer for us. Like, I think if we wanted to simplistically break down the Lord's Prayer, um, there we start off with just this idea, uh, which we call our position of prayer. Those are just some, some places in which we praise God for who He is and where He is and how He is. So it's praise. And then the second part that we looked at last week um, is just this place in which we ask for things, like we go to God with our needs or petition. Today, what Jesus, what we're going to look at today, what Jesus is actually pointing out to his disciples and his followers is how we need to address sin when we talk to God, how we need to pray and, and deal with this when we go to God. And so these are the lines that we're looking at today, verse 12 and verse 13. And he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, pointing it out really quickly, he doesn't say sin right here in Matthew. Like if we looked at Luke's account in uh, Luke chapter 11, we would see he's repeating this to his disciples again as a means of teaching them. He actually does say sins. Um, and all the listeners that were there that particular day, they would have known when he's talking about debts towards God, uh, he would be talking about sin. And so the very first part, he says, uh, and when you pray, pray like this, pray like this added, pray from this place. He says, and forgive us our debts. I think that we need to understand that as we are walking with Jesus, um, we have been bound to him by his life, his death, his resurrection, his very words, our faith by grace that we have placed in him. Uh, even though we do not need to seek forgiveness from him as a means to keep our salvation, because our salvation is granted by him, it is held by him, uh, what we do have to understand is that while we are walking and talking uh, in this relationship with Jesus, when sin enters, when we make that mistake, and we're going to call it sin, sin still has an effect on us. It still interrupts our fellowship. Um, it still hinders the spirit working in us. 
Um, scripture would say it quenches the Holy Spirit or it puts a blanket over the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want to do that. Um, it hinders from us hearing from God and it just it, it puts a, a, a brick wall between us and God. Not that can't be overcome, but it just hinders that relationship. And so in this particular place, uh, Jesus is urging his followers to say, we need to deal with sin. And what we need to do is we need to go to God and we say, God, forgive me of this sin. Forgive me of my debts. Uh, the book of James tells us, I mean, First John tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. As a believer, as someone that is following Jesus, when sin becomes a part of my life, I need to deal with it. The way that we deal with it is we seek forgiveness through confession. We just tell God, God, this is what I've done. Please forgive me of this. And we do it as a means of restoration. Um, if we read Psalm 51, this is David's response to his sin with Bathsheba and then even having her husband killed. Uh, he commits adultery with her. Um, a lot of crazy things. And Psalm 51 is David's prayer. And it is David just begging God, uh, forgive him, uh, creating him a clean heart so that he can be brought back to a place of worship, so he can be brought back to a place of right relationship with God, so he can hear from God, so he can be useful to God, so that he can be on mission with God again. For us, it's the same thing. When sin comes in, we need to deal with it. We need to address it. Uh, we need to understand that it, it, it hinders us from hearing from God, and so we confess. But Jesus adds to this, and he doesn't just say, forgive us of our debts, or forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our trespasses, depending on your translation. He also says this, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In Luke, it would say, as we are also forgiving those who have sinned against us. Um, and if we skip down just a little bit, right after the Lord's Prayer is concluded in verse 14, let me read 14 through 15. It says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. So now we're being given kind of this qualifier of what it means to seek forgiveness. And I think the bottom line before we go any further is we have to understand that we cannot possibly ask for what we want or what we need unless we are willing to give it ourselves. Because what this is revealing, if we are going to God and seeking forgiveness for ourselves, yet we're willing, unwilling to forgive others, it shows that we don't really understand what forgiveness from God looks like. We've forgotten what grace is. We've forgotten how Jesus operates. Uh, we've forgotten that in Ephesians 4.32 that we are told that we are to forgive just as Christ forgave us. In that sense, it, it represents this process that's occurred, uh, this process that begins with us seeing our sin in relation to God, confessing that, trusting in Jesus to make it right, to make us right with God, and then we call out to Jesus as our Lord as we're confessing and turning from our sins. And this ultimately leads to salvation. It brings about faith in us. Romans 10 says that this occurs because we've heard the truth, and in us it builds faith to trust in Jesus and only Jesus. And as a result of this transformation that occurs, now we are granted the ability to forgive as Christ forgave us. And that should be a part of my daily operating status. Like if someone sins against me because of the forgiveness that Christ has granted me, I should in turn forgive them. But in this particular passage, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then, like I said, in 14 through 15, it goes on to explain, if you can't forgive those around you for what they've done to you, God's not going to forgive you either. Because it reveals in our heart that there's a, there's a hiccup in the way that we think, a hiccup in the way that we believe. 
it's, it's crazy to think that um, we need to be willing to give what we're asking for, but it's the way that it works. And it, it's, it's really not that crazy if we think of it, because if God has done so much for me, I should be able to do that for someone else. I can't save them, but I can still forgive them as Christ has forgiven me. Um, so maybe even think about it. Like if, if we are not uh, thinking and loving like Jesus, what is it actually pointing out? I think it's pointing out that, that we're selfish people that are maybe trapped in sin. And so in this particular place, it's us saying, God, uh, forgive me. Just forgive me. Maybe, maybe today what this is even pointing out is that uh, before we can go to God and seek restoration, uh, we, before we can go to God and seek for Him to bring us back to where we need to be with Him that's been hindered by our sin, uh, maybe we need to examine the people that have wronged us and ask, have we truly forgiven them? Have we truly done to them what Jesus has done to us? Have we extended to them grace? And maybe we haven't. And so then uh, this passage goes on to tell us more. And in verse 13, it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so in this particular place, uh, again, Jesus talking to his disciples about how we deal with sin, there's just this simple request that's right here. God, lead us not into temptation. A lot of times people have tried to translate this into God, do not test us. But if we look at James, like we mentioned last week, in, the, in which we were pointing out asking of wisdom, it tells, tells us in James 1 that we should count it all joy or we should be joyful when we fall into trials and testings of various kinds. These are the things that are coming from God to bolster our faith, to bolster our belief, uh, to give us patience and all of those things. And he said, if you don't understand, ask for wisdom. But in this particular case, it's not testing that we're asking to be delivered from or to be kept away from. Instead, he's saying, lead us not into temptation. The NLT, I love the way it translates it. It says, do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. In this particular place, because we've already confessed, Jesus, God, forgive us of our sins, uh, restore to us the relationship that we have from you. Now we go to a petition of saying, and God, keep me from going back. Keep me from going back. I think we have to be at a place in which we're willing to be serious with sin because sin does have consequences. It has effects, but not just that, simply also because Jesus told us not to. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. People will know that you are mine if you keep my commandments and how you love one another. We have to deal with sin seriously. And so in this place, after seeking forgiveness for sin, after understanding that we need to forgive others the same way that Christ forgave us, now we're just asking this, and God, don't let me go back there. Don't let me go back to the place to where I'm tempted to do that again or to do something else to do something that's going to hinder my ability to hear from you, my ability to talk to you, my ability to be useful to you, my ability to be on mission for you, my ability to worship you. Don't let me go back there. Don't let me go back there. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that, uh, that there is no temptation that God is not going to provide us a way out of. And in this place, we're just saying, God, keep me from even wondering how I'm going to get out of this. Lead me away from temptation and give me the strength to resist it. And in this place too, we need to be reminded that James 1.13 reminds us that it's not Jesus who tempts, but it's Satan and it's his work that does that. Uh, but I think it's okay and we shouldn't feel guilty for saying, God, I, I don't even want to be at a place to where I'm tempted. Keep me away from that. I think for a lot of people, it just... Uh, and it's not just one particular sin in people's lives, but some people have 
just certain areas where there are more temptations for them than others. Um, there are men who struggle with, with pornography. Um, and so we need to pray, God, don't let me be in a place to where I'm tempted to view that stuff. But also, I think we need to be reminded, uh, just last week when we were talking about give us this day our daily bread, um, if we go back and we look at Exodus again, uh, the, the bread fell from heaven, but the people still had to go out and gather it. God was providing for them, but he expected them to go and work for it. When we pray, God, uh, keep me away from temptation, we also have to be willing to say, and God, when you provide a way for me to get away from it, I'm going to take it. And so that means that in order to avoid temptation, when God opens us a door for us to get away from temptation, it's still up to us to walk through it. And that means that we have to take steps too. We have to deal with sin seriously. And so if there is an environment that is more tempting for you to sin than others, uh, then God is providing for you a way not to go into that environment. We have to trust him for that. The same way that we trust for our daily bread, uh, God, give me what I need. We're not going to ask unless we believe. Same way here, God, uh, lead me away from temptation. Keep me from succumbing to that. Do not let me yield to this. We have to believe he's going to provide a way out, and we also have to be willing to take that way. I mean, it would be like uh, someone who is an alcoholic walking into a bar. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be wise. It wouldn't be smart. The same thing with us. We're all addicted to sin. And so if God is providing for us a way to avoid the temptation to sin, we need to take it. It's up to us to pick up the bread, to take what God has given, the thing that we have asked for. Um, I think for us too, it's, it's also uh, up to us to see that God has given us a brain and logic and ways to put barriers between us and sin too. If we're asking, God, do not lead us into temptation, and he's providing for us ways to think or people to put in place for accountability or things like that, we, we need to take full advantage of those. If we have people in our lives that are willing to address us about sin and address us about temptation, things that are leading us to sin, we need to hear them. We need to give them access and authority to speak into our lives. Maybe what we need to do is we need to inform one of our brothers and sisters the sin that we struggle with the most. And we need to inform them of the patterns that lead me to that sin and let God use them to keep us away from that temptation. Maybe it's in the form of accountability. Uh, maybe it's in the form of just Man, putting physical barriers between you and your sin. If it's pornography, men, don't get on your computer when you're by yourself. Maybe you need to, to keep your phone unlocked so that your wife can see it all the time or so that someone who's in your life can look at it all the time. Women, whatever your temptation may be, I can't speak directly to the temptations of women necessarily, but I can to men. Women, whatever that is, what roadblocks can we put in place to keep us from going there? If we're gonna ask for it, we also need to be willing to work for it and to accept the things that God gives us. But he continues on with this. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Uh, the evil one here, we, we know it. It's just talking about Satan. And I think it's okay to cry out to God, to acknowledge that Satan is real, to acknowledge that he is coming after us. He seeks to, to devour us, to kill us, to destroy us. He seeks all those things. So why wouldn't we say, hey God, and keep me from him? Keep me from him. Keep me from the adversary. Keep me from the evil one. Keep me away from him who wants to destroy me. Absolutely, we pray for that. Maybe we pray for that more than anything else. God, keep me away from temptation. Keep me away from Satan. That's okay to pray. It's okay. And maybe we need to do it frequently. Maybe we need to do it on behalf of our brothers and sisters too. Both of these. God, keep, keep this friend from temptation. Keep them from Satan. Keep them out of his reach. Do all that. And maybe it's up to us that God is going to use us to do that for somebody. But we need to pray for it. We need to ask for it. 
I think we've, uh, we've sanitized sin to such a degree that we're, we're unwilling to talk about it. Um, maybe we're unwilling to confess it to other people. Um, but what we need to do is take the gloves off. We all need to admit that we all struggle. We all fight. Sin is real. It has the same effect on me as it has on you. But we also need to be honest and say we need to take it seriously. We need to deal with it. Jesus is giving us a pattern right here, right here. Number one, we confess. We confess and we say, hey, God, forgive me of this. Um, bring me back to right standing with you. And then we also need to examine our own hearts. We need to examine if, if we're being selfish, sinful believers, if we're being unwilling to forgive others, but yet we still want God to forgive us. Maybe we need to examine that and confess that and say, hey, God, um, I see it. I see that this person wronged me and I've just held on to this grudge for so long. Maybe some of you have been seeking restoration to God for so long and it hasn't been happening and maybe it hasn't been happening because you've been holding on to someone's wrong against you for all this time. This is not an anomaly in scripture, by the way. It comes up again and again. Like if, even if you're going to pray, make sure that you forgive first. Even if we're going to worship, before you lay your offering at the altar, go and confront somebody or go and tell someone that you forgive them. This is, this is not just here. It's in other places in Scripture. Maybe if you're seeking restoration and it hasn't occurred, maybe it's because you're still holding someone's sin against them and you just need to forgive them and you need to forgive them like Jesus. Man, I think if we look at Ephesians 4.32 and we ask, how did he forgive me? We understand that he didn't just forgive me partially. He didn't just forgive me for a day, but he forgave me for eternity. And not only did he do that, he didn't ask me to explain myself. Maybe we need to go to someone and just say, you know what? I know what you did, but I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. And maybe then we can go to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Restore me. Bring me back to this place of worship. Bring me back to this place of right relationship. Bring me back to a place where I can hear from you, to where I can feel the Spirit's presence again. Bring me back. Maybe, maybe you have done that. Maybe you're not holding anything against people, but maybe you just haven't confessed to God. Maybe, maybe you didn't even know that as a believer, as someone who has been bought by the blood of Jesus, that we still need to deal with sin. Man, look at Jesus when he entered the temple. He did it twice. He entered the temple and he goes in there and he's flipping over tables. He's turning over the money changers' bowls. He's saying, get out of here. You're turning my father's house into something it's not supposed to be. Jesus was dealing with sin aggressively. His entire life was him dealing with sin aggressively. The same heart that is in Jesus must be in me. Maybe for some of us, we just need to deal with sin. Maybe the first step is just going to God and saying, God, this is what I've done. This is what I'm guilty of. This this is what I want to confess to you. Please restore me to you. Forgive me of this. Maybe you need to understand that you need to take your sins to God. Yes, we take praise to God. Yes, we take petition to God, but we take our sins to God too and we just confess so that we can be restored, brought back to that right place of relationship with God. Maybe, uh, maybe for you, you're just, you feel trapped. You feel trapped in this perpetual pattern of the same sin over and over. We may call them pet sins from time to time, and that makes them seem really tiny and insignificant, but they're not. Maybe you're just trapped, and maybe, maybe you just need to say, God, keep me away from this temptation, and keep me from the devil. Keep me from Satan. Keep me from the evil one. And maybe in praying that, you also need to go and confess it to a brother or sister. Say, this is my deal. This is what I'm battling. 
I've, I've prayed to God for him to help me, and I believe that he wants you to help me too. Can you help? And give them, just in the words of one of our elders, Neil Culler, give them access, give them authority to speak into your life, to speak into your life so that you can have victory over the sin, not in your name, but in the name of Jesus. Maybe you need to deal with it. Sin is serious. Like it, it has these consequences that, man, we never really think about when we're in the moment of temptation. We don't think about what it's going to cost me as it relates to God, but there's always a cost. There's always a cost. And not to play the Jesus on the cross card, but I will play the Jesus on the cross card. These sins that we battle every single day that we need to deal aggressively with every single day are the same sins in which Jesus died for. The same sins in which Jesus died for. Paul tells the people in Rome, shall we continue sinning so that grace may abound all the more? He's like, no, no, by no means is that what we do. No, we deal with our sin. We seek to avoid sin. We seek to stay away from temptation. And the way that we start is we confess, we forgive, and we pray for the strength of God that only He can give us. And then invite other people into your story. Invite other people into your story. I, I would be naive to think that some of us listening today are not just battling sin. So I, what I want to do, um, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would lead you to do exactly what Jesus is giving us an attitude to do here, to confess, to forgive others before that, and then to seek Him for strength. I want to pray that for you. But what I want you to do after that um, is I want you just to ask, do I need to do any of these things? And if you do, do them. Do them. Seek to forgive someone else. Confess to God so that He can forgive you and restore your relationship with Him. And then just ask for strength that you don't return. So let me pray for you. And then I'm going to give you a moment to pray, and we're going to close out. God, we love you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for the teachings of Jesus um, that guide us in, in how we should pray. God, today I thank you that you remind us through the words of your son that, that sin is serious, that it needs to be dealt with, um, that it is a heart issue that interferes with our relationship uh, with our Father, our Father who is the King, our Father who we are humbly submitting to and our Father who we're humbly depending on. God, I pray that you would convict in us through your Spirit, God, convict us of sin. If it is the sin of not forgiving someone else, I pray that you would call us to forgive them, that you would give us the ability to forgive them as Christ forgave us. God, if it is other sin that is in our life, including that one that we just need to take to you, God, I pray that we would confess it to you by name, that we would call it exactly what it is, and that we would seek forgiveness from you for that sin for restoration, restoration to worship, restoration to fruitfulness, restoration to hearing from you again. And then, God, we would just simply ask that you give us the strength to avoid that temptation again. Keep us from that and keep us from the evil one. God, I pray that we would call it what it is, that we wouldn't downplay the seriousness of sin, not in our lives and not in the lives of our brothers and sisters. Give us the strength, give us the boldness. God, grant us the ability through your spirit and your spirit alone to deal with it. And I pray for those that are listening today, God, if there is sin that they're dealing with, I pray that they deal with it right now, right where they are, on their couches, in their cars, in their offices, wherever they may be. God, I pray that you would convict them and move them to deal with it. So if that's you today, deal with it. Deal with it. 
It's serious. God doesn't want us to be hampered by the sins that we commit. He wants us to be free from them. He's equipped us. He's given us ways out. Take advantage. So over the next just 30 seconds, 45 seconds of silence, you deal with it. If you're still praying, you can hit pause. I would encourage you, um, if you confess to sin to God today, confess it to someone else. Um, it tells us that confessing to one another brings about healing. There's no magic in that. It's the fact that sometimes we need to offload that burden to someone else so that they can hear it, so that they can hold us accountable, so that they can pray for us in the same way in which we're praying for ourselves here. Confess it to someone else. Maybe in community groups this week, over the, through the comfort of Zoom, when you're not actually sitting beside someone, maybe you have the ability just to say, hey guys, um, this is what I'm battling right now. This is what I'm fighting. Would you, would you remember to pray for me? Would you remember to uh, seek the ability to resist temptation on my behalf to God? Maybe seek that. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. I thank you for, uh, for being family, even though we can't be in the same room together. Um, I thank you for pursuing Jesus. Uh, be sure to uh, check your email each week for what we're sending out so that everybody's on the same page. Uh, be sure to, if you can, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to be releasing uh, probably a midweek video every week just so that we can all kind of stay on the same page, keep thinking about the same things. I might release some resources and things like that. Uh, we might give you some information as to what's to come. Um, we are just going to continue being who we are. Uh, we're just apart for a little while, and that's okay. I think I was talking to a group of pastors this morning. I think there are valuable lessons that the church can learn during this time. Um, one thing is that relationships, man, we have to fight for them. We have to do whatever we can to pursue one another in the name of Jesus, uh, to continue to uh, seek after those who are lost, to continue, to continue just to fight, even when it's not convenient. And I think if we can learn to do it in this venue, in, in this way, while this is our, our normal for now, I think when all of this passes, I think we'll be far better equipped to do it again in the regular world, so to speak. Um, thank you guys for being family. We love you, and we'll see you next week.